Well, thank you very much for inviting me here tonight, and thank you to everybody for coming through the drizzle or more uh, to be here. Um, as um, as Patrizia said tonight, I'm 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 going to be talking a bit about the exhibition that's on at the VNA, and um, and in particular, I wanted to focus on two discoveries that I made while researching the exhibition. And I think both of these um, provide clues and also raise questions about Cameron's relationship with other artists, her attitude towards um, her uh, process and technique, and in particular her so the so-called imperfections in her work, um, and also the reception of her photographs in her own time. So um, first I'm going to start with a little bit of an introduction to the exhibition itself. Can we make it a little bit darker, yeah. or is that going to make it too? So the exhibition, uh, the exhibition is drawn almost entirely from. Oh, okay, that's great. So Thank you. Is that okay yeah. for people? Um, the exhibition is drawn almost entirely from the VNA um, collection. Um, and I, it looks in particular at uh, Cameron's relationship with the VNA, um, which was uh, called the South Kensington Museum in her time, um, and with the founding director of the museum, Henry Cole. And so uh, here we have Henry Cole photographed by Cameron at the South Kensington Museum, I believe, um, and um, Cameron herself photographed by her son. And um, I should also just mention, of course, the reason there's been this... Uh, frenzy of Cameron activity um, is that last year was the bicentenary of Cameron's birth and um, that's why th these exhibitions have been on and there have also been a number of um, conferences and symposia and so on dedicated to Cameron. So I wanted the exhibition to both be an introduction to Cameron, give an overview of her career using the V&A's collection but um, so, so to in and to introduce people who might not be familiar with her work to her but also to show some new um, aspects of her work that hadn't been explored before, and to do all of this sort of through the lens of the V&A's collection and telling the story of her relationship with the museum. So that relationship um, kind of can be traced, or, or the first record of it is Henry Cole's diary from 19th of May, 1865, when he records that he went to Mrs. Cameron's little Holland house to have my portrait photographed in her style. A German girl held an umbrella over me. Um, and so this, this is on display in the exhibition and there are a few things that are really um, captivating to me about um, this little um, you know these two sentences um, Little Holland House of course is not Cameron's own home but this was the home of her sister Sarah Princep and, and her husband um, Toby Princep in, uh, in London and, um, and G.F. Watts who he mentions actually also in this diary entry uh, George Frederick Watts, the painter and sculptor, was um, lived with the princeps, and they had a kind of salon around him that attracted all sorts of writers and artists and um, thinkers of the time, um, including people like Henry Cole, who ended up there um, at being photographed by, by Cameron. Um, and so he mentions a German girl held an umbrella over me, and of course the umbrella would have been to control the light uh, on the sitter, and although the photograph of um, Cole that was taken on that occasion has not been discovered, there's this other one 
um, taken uh, on the same occasion of William Michael Rossetti, brother of Dante Gabriel Rossetti, one of the founders of the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood and, a, and an art writer. Um, and in the, the, um, the, uh, the right-hand side, you can see a little sliver of a hand and an umbrella. And so for ages, I've been imagining perhaps that was the German girl's umbrella, <laughs> um, hand, excuse me. Um, but very recently, I, re I read um, a, an excerpt from a letter that Cameron wrote to Rossetti about this photograph. And in that, she says, well, I could have trimmed out the hand if I wanted to, but I didn't want to because it's Robert Browning's hand. <laughs> so that's just what, that's that's a, that's a small discovery. Although I feel like there's there might be there might be paths that could be pursued there. And there's um, Cameron's uh, portrait of Robert Browning made also in May of 1865 at Little Holland House. So the other thing that's remarkable about that. Um, that those, those few lines in Henry Cole's diary is that he says that he went to have his um, portrait photographed in her style. And it's uh, important to remember here, he's writing that in May 1865, and Cameron had taken this photograph, um, which she referred to as her first success, in January 1864. So it's pretty amazing that already he's describing her as having a style of her own. And also by this time, she had already established the three key genres that would occupy her throughout her career. And I'm showing here an example of each. So in her own words, these were portraits, Madonna groups, and fancy subjects for pictorial effect. Um, so the next day after, um, after <coughs> Henry Cole writes in his diary, uh, Julia Margaret Cameron sends her portfolio to Cole and says that um, I should be so proud and pleased if this complete series could go into the South Kensington Museum. And um, amazingly, or, or rather, amazing, amazingly if you think about how hard it is to get your photographs into the, the V&A these days, um, within, within weeks um, the museum um, collected the first round of batch of photographs from Cameron. So they would uh, end up acquiring over 100 photographs by her um, that year um, in June, July, and September of 1865. And um, by November of 1865, some of the photographs are on display at the, ex at the museum. And the critic A.H. Wall wrote, I found Mrs. Cameron's photographs awarded a prominent place at the South Kensington Museum close to the picture collections where they hang in their pride alone. Uh, so this seems to indicate an, uh, uh, an amazing um, amount of, um, it, it seems to indicate how ahead of their time the South Kensington Museum and Henry Cole was in recognizing photography as an art form because here's Cameron very, very consciously making um, the photographs that she um, intended to be works of art, and there they are being exhibited near the picture collections in their pride alone. And in 1868, Julia Margaret Cameron used two rooms in the, um, uh, the South Kensington Museum as a studio. So this is one photograph that she made there, and I've enlarged the inscription so you can see it reads, from life taken at the South Kensington Museum, March 1868. So many of the photographs that the um, museum acquired from Cameron um, have um, include 
uh, her kind of signature um, imperfections, flaws, um, experimental uh, interventions, depending on your perspective. And and as as I'm sure many of you know, she's she was both um, highly criticized in her own time for uh, what was described as her slovenly manipulation. And that was both for taking photographs uh, purposely out of focus, but also for, um, for these kinds of uh, te- other technical, what were perceived as technical imperfections in her work. Um, so, for example, on, in the photograph on the right, the photographic chemicals have not been applied evenly. Um, that could have been caused by various um, sort of faults in her process, if things were the wrong temperature or the, um, chem- some of the chemicals she was using weren't, were exhausted and things like that. Um, on the one on the right, um, she perhaps there was some sort of flaw, something maybe peeled away or something at the, on the upper right, but she then scratched away from the negative to produce this sort of halo-like effect. Uh, both of these, I think, you know, these kinds of... Um, uh, in, the, both, in both examples here, we see traces of Cameron's process that I think have a lot of fascination for, for audiences now because um, many people enjoy seeing that, that, you know, that we can... Okay. I'll just say okay. No? No. I'm just gonna, wait, hold on. Okay. No? Oh, no. Oh, no. no, I shouldn't have said okay. <laughs> All right, well, sorry. I just thought it would go away if I said okay. But sorry about that. Um, so... Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so that you can see the means by which she's made uh, the photographs, traces of her handwork, her touch, and so on. Um, and, um, and, I, and, and I think that, you know, for, for some photographs, especially, for example, the one on the left, um, to my eye, at least, that, that liquidy quality gives the photograph an ethereal quality, and it's hard to... Uh, dreamy quality that, that enhances it. It's hard to know, though, what... Cameron's own attitude towards it, towards these these types of um, uh, imperfections were was she simply accepting of them? Did she look at them and see <coughs> something enhanced by them? Did she just ignore them and and sort of look through them, or did she actually embrace them? It's it's hard to know. Um, but here's another. Um, okay, if the process was conceived. Now success. I can say okay because the process was completed successfully. Okay, good. Here we go. Um, so um, here's another example, uh, and the two I was just showing you are ones that Cameron sold to the V&A or the South Kensington Museum. So the implication is that Cameron herself, uh, at least, you know, thought they were good enough to sell to the museum. Henry Cole thought they were good enough to purchase. Um, and here's another example of a pair of images also um, uh, purchased by the South Kensington Museum. Um, this one where she's printed just from half a negative, and then this one where she's created um, a very um, obvious combination print. So this is at a time when already, you know, uh, Raylander, Robinson, and others had, um, were able to make combination prints where they're printing um, sections of various photographic negatives together onto a single print in the darkroom and as a form of kind of proto-Photoshop or pre-Photoshop um, manipulation. These photographers were able to do that very subtly, um, but Cameron doesn't go in for that. She just very frankly shows us her process and just sticks two halves of the picture together. Um, and here's another example of a photograph that came into the collection later. Um, 
this is this actually a photograph that Cameron sent to Henry Cole, but it didn't come into the collection until um, after his lifetime when his son donated it to, to the museum. Um, but uh, I hope you can see on the slide that there's a big crack in the, in the negative um, sort of over her shoulder. Um, and uh, despite that crack, Cameron made multiple prints of this photograph. Um, again, indicating that she was at least um, somewhat accepting of, of these types of imperfections. Um, and there's a group of photographs um, in the collection that seem to provide even further evidence for, for Cameron's um, either experimental or, or cavalier attitude towards her technique. And these photographs come, um, and now we're getting into the discovery bit. So these photographs were found in an envelope um, marked 1941, um, but they were discovered in the late 1960s in the, by a curator who found them in the museum's crypt. And the envelope contained over 60, or I think nearly 70, Judy Margaret Cameron photographs. Um, at these, these are two examples. Um, and here's another one from the same um, envelope. And until recently, we didn't know how these photographs had come to the museum. So, and in this one, it's a bit difficult to see in the slide, but Cameron's actually scratched a, a photo, uh, an image into the background. So she's actually drawn um, a kind of architectural setting for for this um, for the figure in the back in the foreground. Um, so, um, so, so as I said, it would, it would it seems from this group that that you know these seem to be further examples of her um, kind of looseness with technique. Um, but during the course of researching the exhibition, we were able to actually finally discover how these <coughs> photographs had come to the V&A um, in 1941. And, and the, the presumption, of course, was that they had come in during the war and been. Um, you know, nobody was sort of paying attention to carefully cataloging uh, photographs when the museum was being bombed, so um, they had been forgotten about. And indeed, they were donated in 1941. And here's the um, the uh, uh, file that we discovered um, that contains the letter from a uh, descendant of Julia Margaret Cameron's. Um, oh, this didn't turn out very well, but anyway, she writes that she's, um, uh, she's the great niece of Julie Margaret Cameron. And she says, I have a number of photographs by my, my great aunt, the late Mrs. Julia Margaret Cameron, Ju Julia Cameron, excuse me, several of them signed by her. And I wondered if you'd like to have them for the museum. Um, and then she goes on to say that I bought them at the sale of Limner's lease after the death of Mrs. G.F. Watts. So they are apparently studies that Mrs. Cameron gave to Mr. Watts and indeed, one is so inscribed. Um, and then she goes on to say that she'd be delighted to present them to the museum. So this is, we think, the one that she's referring to when she says one is so inscribed, because this photograph is inscribed on the back to um, the senior, which was um, uh, uh, Watts's nickname. Um, and so it's called the Idols of the Village, or perhaps that should be, in this context, pronounced Idols the village or the idols of the village, the Marys at the well of fresh water, a pastoral gem for the senior. And then she even writes senior in the style of, in a way that's imitating Watts's signature, the way he wrote senior himself, with the, the um, sort of circled. Um, 
so this um, is an exciting discovery because it, um, it gives us a kind of hint um, into, it's, it's yet another clue in the, in the, in the story that, that various scholars have been trying to piece together for, for quite a while now into what Cameron's um, involvement with, with photography was before she owned the camera. She received the camera as a gift from her daughter and son-in-law at Christmas of 1863, but, um, and although Cameron herself presented it as if she you know, got the camera, and then January she makes Annie her first success, and then all of a sudden, boom, the rest just flowed out of her. Um, but although, I mean, it is very impressive, of course, that, that you know, the, the, the speed with which she, she established herself as a photographer, we do know that she was involved in photography in various ways before she owned the camera. Compiling albums, um, which she gave to other people, um, printing photographs by other photographers, and this one um, is yet another example of a photograph attributed to Ray Lanter, who we know was um, uh, in freshwater on the Isle of Wight in the summer of 1863. He photographed the Tennyson family um, on that occasion, and this is one of a number of photographs made on Cameron's property. Um, and those and the sitters, um, or the, the yeah, the subjects are two of Julie Margaret Cameron's uh, um, maids posed at, at her well. So um, we don't really know exactly did Cam what it, precisely Cameron's involvement in making this photograph was. Did she pose them? Did she print the negative that Ray Lander made? Did she make it with Ray Lander? We, that, that's yet to be discovered, um, I think. Um, unless, that, yeah, I'd be very happy to hear other people's theories on this. Um, but, um, but in any case, she felt enough ownership over, or en enough of a sense of authorship, perhaps, over the photograph to inscribe it on the back to Watts. And the other exciting thing about this photograph, so as I said, there are, there are other versions of, these, um, of this picture which have been published before and exhibited before. There are some in the Mia album, for example, an album that Cameron <coughs> gave to, to, to her sister. Um, but they're from slightly different angles. And in this one, we can see the structure in the background which appears to be the so-called um, glazed fowl house. So Cameron wrote in her, in her memoirs, um, Annals of My Glass House, that once she'd taken up photography, she converted her glazed fowl house into her glass house studio. So it is, for the first time, a, um, uh, uh, a photograph of Cameron's own studio. So, um, and I actually only found this quite late into my Cameron research because naturally I'd gone systematically through all of our Camerons very early on in, um, in researching the exhibition, um, but I hadn't looked systematically through all our Raylanders, and this had been um, uh, classified as a Raylander, and so I only happened to look at it quite um, just by chance, actually, um, when I was quite far into the project. I should also mention, actually, in the same group, there are a few other photographs that um, we actually had attributed to Cameron, but I believe are by Raylander that were part of the same um, batch. Um, also um, included in the, this um, group of photographs is this beautiful portrait of um, Christina Fraser-Teitler, who was um, Mary Seaton Watts's sister. Um, and and um, uh, Cameron had photographed um, both, both sisters with, what is it, two other sisters, is that right? Four, four altogether, yes. Um, so in, um, in Rosebud Garden, sorry, what, Rosebud Garden of Gross? 
1965, Rosebud Garden Thank you, thank you, Carl. Um, which I'm not going to show you, but it's a beautiful photograph. No, are you going to show? No, I forget lots of other things. I might show that. Okay, good. Okay. Anyway, so um, just to, just reinforces that link. Um, but um, but back to this question of this uh, high number of quite experimental looking photographs in here. Now that we know in the, in this in this group of photographs. Now that we know that they all belong to Watts once, it makes sense if you look at them in relation to Watts's letters to Cameron. Um, and he said to her specifically, please do not send me valuable mounted copies. Send me any defective unmounted impressions. I shall be able to judge just as well and shall be just as much charmed with success and shall not feel that I'm taking money from you. So this goes quite far to explain why there are so many so-called de defective unmounted impressions in this particular batch of photographs. And we can now look at them and, and see them not as examples of, of Cameron's kind of uh, seemingly cavalier attitude towards, towards um, technique, but rather as sketches or experiments or works in process um, that she was sending to Watts in order to get his um, uh, feedback on them. Um, and I think the letters um, in general show Watts advising um, Cameron not just on, on artistic matters but, but on um, uh, matters of how to be a professional artist, um, something that he knows a lot about but is, is really a quite a new category for a photographer to be both, um, to be both a, a, an art photographer um, but also somebody who hopes to earn money from, from their practice, which is what Cameron was doing. Um, so here's another example where um, we were able to match up. Um, oh, you could see this, the signature there, the senor, on this letter where he circles, circles around the name. Um, this is another example of matching up a letter with a specific photograph that's in this group of photographs. Um, and until I made this um, association, this photograph didn't have a name. Um, it's the only print that exists of it, and, um, and it didn't have a title. Of course, in 1 BC, it referred to as Diana um, in, the, um, in the letter from Watts, where he very helpfully draws a picture of it. Um, now, you know, once we know it's called Diana, of course, it makes sense. She's got a crescent moon and is holding a bow and arrow. But um, but without um, without that, if you do it coming at it from the other direction, it's it's a little hard to, to make out those props and their significance. Um, and he criticized her, saying that she had he, she hadn't taken a favorable view of her face. And then also goes on to set, to criticize her for for um, uh, making the um, young lady's arm look too muscular um, in this photograph. And 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 indeed, Cameron doesn't make another print of it. Uh, this is the only one. So there are other um, photographs in that group that, that I think can be read in interesting ways alongside Watts's letters. For example, in these two, he's um, she's 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 uh, playing around with the, um, or experimenting with different um, uh, compositions for Paul and Virginia. And Watts writes to her, I spent some hours in trying to get an arrangement of folds that would make a beautiful and suggestive composition. It was a great deal of time occupied, but not wasted. That is the sort of thing I want you to do. You would make fewer photographs, but each one would be more valuable. Um, 
she didn't necessarily always follow his advice, I don't think. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is the photograph that, that she ends up making many prints of, the one she was most satisfied with, um, although she still can't resist intervening a bit, and she scratches into it. Um, it's difficult to see on the slide here, but she scratches in around um, Paul's... Where is that? No, that's Paul, yes. The figure on the left, Paul's feet, um, to make his feet, I guess, appear slimmer. Um, but you can see that easily on the print, if not here. Um, and here's another, um, uh, very, sorry, very long quote, um, uh, of um, Watts actually advising Cameron, um, for the interest of art, and also because I know you must turn your labor and expense into some pecuniary advantage, I criticize and I'm sure that you should now turn all your attention to the object of producing pictures free from those defects, which are purely the result of careless or imperfect manipulation. It is most especially with reference to the sale of your photographs that this is so important. Artists and very great lovers of the highest quality of art may not and perhaps do not care, but the public will not care for anything that exhibits the sort of imperfection it can understand at a glance. So Watts here is saying, you know, people... Elevated people like us can, will will you know won't be bothered by this. But if you want to 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 be commercially successful, you um, you need to clean up your act a little bit um, and make them you know free of these these so-called imperfections. Um, so all of these together, not the, the looking at, at these um, photographs together with the the letters, um, which I think there's still a lot more work to be done on this, and and um, uh, you know I've just sort of dipped my toe into it really, but um, but looking at the letters um, and um, or rather looking at these photographs in the context of the letters, I think we can clearly see that the that we can't. Just look at these um, that at, at these prints as further examples of, of Cameron's, um, you know, uh, so-called slovenly manipulation. But rather, um, we have to look not just only at these, but also more generally, perhaps, at her attitude towards the um, the accidents and the flaws and so on in in her photographs. Um, and when we look at those alongside. Going back to the, the Henry Cole relationship, um, in, this, in this letter she uh, <coughs> writes to Henry Cole about a problem she's having with some of her negatives cracking. Um, she says that, that some of her most precious negatives have, have perished. She blames the collodion or varnish supplied, and she even went to the Photographic Society um, to ask about this problem she's having of a so-called um, honeycomb crack. Um, that uh, that here she describes it as a honeycomb crack extending over the picture, appearing at any moment and beyond my power to arrest. And again, I don't know if you can see it in the slide, but it's very visible in the white area of of the um, of the drapery on her head. Um, and so, so altogether, I think we can get a sense of Cameron as somebody who is. Um, striving to improve and who is not accepting of any old um, mistake or flaw that, that, that befalls her photographs. So I want to now just shift quickly to the other um, new discovery, um, and this um, concerns Cameron's uh, place in the South Kensington Museum's collection. Um, 
I mentioned before these three categories of the, um, the portraits, the Madonna groups, and the fancy subjects for pictorial effect. In the initial largest group of photographs that the, that the museum acquired from her, they only um, collected photographs that fell into the latter two categories, so the Madonna groups like these and the fancy subjects for pictorial effect. They didn't collect any of, initially, they didn't collect any of the um, <coughs> portraits. And they, they only did um, in smaller numbers when they acquired further photographs um, later that summer. So this seems to reinforce that view that, that um, they, the museum recognized that Cameron was making photographs that she, uh, that, were, that she intended as works of art in their own right, hung near the picture galleries, um, and so on. And they seem to be very different, um, these types of photographs, from the photographs that the museum on the whole was collecting um, at this time. And I should mention that the South Kensington Museum was the first museum um, or uh, what well, we think the first museum in the world to collect photographs we like to say that but um, we're waiting to be challenged um, starting in 1852 um, and um, most of the, the photographs that the museum collected were these types of photographs um, photographs that look very beautiful to us today and, um, and we can appreciate for different reasons but, but at the time um, these photographs uh, were collected as um, uh, tools for artists and designers and manufacturers um, and it, the, it was particularly those groups of people um, who the museum was, was really for. It, the museum was founded as a place to, to educate um, artists and, and manufacturers. So the titles here kind of explain what these are for. The Anatomy of Foliage, photographed examples of the principal forest trees, each taken from the same point of view in winter and summer, enabling the student to trace the limbs when hidden by the masses of foliage. And these photographs were acquired um, also in 1865. In fact, in the registers, they're basically these are the old, these are the, the next photographs on the list, sort of in between two of the groups of photographs that came in from Cameron. So they're really um, being collected right at the same time. And so um, it would seem that these kinds of photographs are exactly the opposite of what Cameron's photographs were. Cameron seemed to be um, you know, using very kind of crude categories. Cameron seemed to be art, and these ones seemed to be um, useful. Um, we can debate that, but I'm being very, I'm being quite general about it right now. Um, but what's really interesting, though, is that in 1868, we find Cameron's photographs classified under figure studies, um, along with, so this, this, is a, this is an index of all the whole, all the, the photographs that are in the collection by then. So under figure studies, we find drawings by Raphael. So these are photographs of drawings, Montaigne drawings, Millet and Chardon, from nature by Mrs. Cameron, and drawings by <coughs> Uh So um, Cameron's photographs are being um, classified as being sort of just, or sort of being of the same order, if you will, um, as um, photographs of drawings by old masters. And it's interesting to note here, too, that Cameron actually uh, wanted um, artists to be able to purchase her photographs for, um, for less money than, than other people. She, she, asked her, she instructed her gallery to charge artists, I believe, half price for her, um, for her photographs. And also uh, that when Henry Cole made the initial acquisition of photographs by Cameron, four of them 
were given to Godfrey Sykes, the designer who was then engaged in devising the um, internal and external decorative schemes for the um, South Kensington Museum. So those are a couple of other examples of, of her work being specifically used as kind of source material for other artists. So, so I think it's fascinating that, that, that her photographs are being kind of, a, that even though it says that they are from nature and she often writes on them from life, um, they're being sort of equated with, with a, photo, a photograph of a drawing by Raphael. Um, and that they might be sort of conceived of and be, they might be seen as being useful in the same way. Um, and to extend that even further, Henry Cole himself made this statement comparing the value of an original Raphael drawing with a photograph of a Raphael drawing. Um, and he says, I have here a facsimile of one of Raphael's drawings. At a recent sale at Christie's, a drawing no larger than that and not finer in quality sold for more than 200 pounds. By the agency of photography, any working man in the country may get it for five pence. So um, I, I've, just, I've just chosen an example from our collection that, that uh, I can't see the museum number, but anyway, it would have been in the collection at the time, but even if he's not talking about that exact one. So Henry Cole himself is, is, is astonishingly, I think, saying, uh, saying that a, an original um, Raphael drawing is, is of no, um, <coughs> not finer in quality than um, a photograph of a Raphael drawing. So then if you extend that logic, you might say that an original Raphael drawing is just as valuable as a Julie Margaret Cameron photograph, or they're all in the same kind of level. Um, and so um, I think we're very, we're very used to looking at photographs like the ones of the trees, for example, that we know were made for one purpose in the 19th century, that, that they were made to be useful um, record photographs, to be useful to artists, but, and we can now appreciate them in other ways. They're very beautiful. We can um, look at them as um, meditations on the passage of time because they show the, which is something so integral to photography itself since they show the tree in winter and in summer and so on. But I think we're less used to the idea of a photograph being made to, to, as a work of art but then somehow being then understood to be a record photograph um, or a, a kind of or a, a, a photograph that's used as sort of source material, merely as source material, um, and then of course coming round again to be once again recognized as as as, as an art photograph. So um, this this is just one example of um, a photograph in the collection where you can sense that that history of its shifting status within the collection. It's a photograph that's inscribed by Cameron from life, it's signed by her, it's got the title and an inscription by her, um, and then, but then also in the, you, you won't, it seems like you can't see it on the slide, but it says um, in the lower, uh, uh, the upper left, it says studies for painting, um, and then also at the bottom it says Circe, study for head of, and then girl portrait of, um, and then uh, and then at the top is this typed label. Um, it was a bit of a problem for me in, in deciding how to mount the photographs for the exhibition because wherever possible, I wanted to be able to show Cameron's writing on them. Um, but an example like this, I chose not to because if I had, if, if you, if you mount it back far enough to, to show Cameron's writing, you also get 
these other um, inscriptions on them, which I felt sort of detracted from it, although it is part of the story. So I guess maybe I could have included one just to make that point, as I'm doing here. Anyway, um, so that's just, uh, those are just, I guess, the two, for me, those are the two new things that um, came out of my research, but I, I think that they, uh, they invite further questions and, and, um, and study, and, and I hope they will do so. And um, as a reminder, but um, Patricia has already told you that the exhibition is on until the 21st of February, and, and um, some of what I've been talking about today is in the exhibition catalog, which also includes a full listing of all of the um, DNA's holdings um, by Julie Margaret Cameron, and um, uh, images and transcriptions of all five letters that we have in the collection from um, Cameron to Cole. So I hope that that will also be a useful tool for, for future researchers. Thank you very much.